0: things do change. People fall into favor, fall out of favor, people die, people move. I mean, do you really want your healthcare proxy to be someone who's 3,000 miles away? Is part of that process that I talk about in the book, the calm approach. The last step is maintenance.
1: You ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Catherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat and a lifelong geek I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive, a strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hi everyone, Katherine Avery of productivitybydesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I have my good friend and business colleague here today, Judy. Judith Gurton is a master's level certified productive environment specialist with the Productive Environment Institute. She's a golden circle member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, NAPO, the New England chapter of NAPO. Judy started a career in occupational therapy over 40 years ago, and after 20 years in the field, she added a professional organizing business, always organized, to her services. In 2021, she published Taming the Digital Tiger Gmail Edition with her mentor, Barbara Hemphill. Judy is back on the show. We had her on, I guess, about a year ago to talk about Taming your Digital Tiger and Gmail. Since then, the overachiever that she is, she's written another book, (laughs) Beyond the Estate Plan, which fits in perfectly with the whole thing we've got going around planning for the month of September. But Judy's gonna start by telling us that September is actually officially national preparedness month. Preparedness month. So I think it's hilarious that I happened to choose planning and didn't notice that it was preparedness month. So I'm thrilled you're on. How about we start with why'd you write the book? Well, the book
0: is something that's been in process since I started my business. I along the way came across people's forms and documents and important information and created forms for my clients. And in 2014, I created a guide called The Always Organized Companion, which was just the list that I created. And when the pandemic started and people started having more severe issues real quickly, I decided that this was time to revisit The Always Organized Companion and expand it into what it needed to be. I mean, in my own life, I lost my mother in one day. She was in a pedestrian versus automobile accident. And going through settling her estate was eye-opening. I mean, she had a lot of things prepared. And back in those days, everything arrived in the mailbox Mm. instead of the email box or by text message or not at all. Now that things are digital, it's not the same. I mean, when we did her things, everything arrived in the mailbox. Eventually, we knew everything. Now Mm. that's not true. And to account for that, I felt like this part of the guide that deals with digital organizing It's just as important, if not more so, for many
1: people now. So I read Beyond the Estate Plan Guide while I was on the beach. It's not exactly beach reading. <laughs> that being said, it was such an eye opener for me. I think I knew some of these things, but I never knew them all in one place, and I never really thought through the importance of bringing all this information together. I'm fifty-six years old. And I'm at the age where I probably should be thinking about putting all this information together. Well, I think COVID really brought that home for a lot of people. You know, you could be fine one day and be
0: intubated the next day and not being able to tell people where things are or what things are. When we went to Florida to care for my mother-in-law when she became ill, the first task that was the hardest was finding out who all her doctors were. It was crazy. There was business cards and you'd ask her, is this your doctor? No, I don't use that doctor anymore. This your doctor? No, I don't use that doctor anymore. So finding out who who the the audiologist was, who the the eye doctor was, who the gynecologist was, was a real, you know, rabbit hole experience. We went down and tried to find out and ask her neighbors, and that's not the way to do it. If you provide people with that information, you're going to
1: save their life. Right. And I told you before we started, and I'll tell the story now because it's kind of funny. My daughter has two different doctors. Mm -hmm. Both are specialists, and they both are Dr. P, and they're both Italian last names. (laughs) Which means that I will often be calling one office and asking for the wrong doctor because I can't keep them straight. So in the book, with the Beyond the Estate Plan Guide, it's not just here's how you do it. It's also, here's the forms, which if I understand correctly, you've got in PDF format somewhere online. Right. And you'll elucidate us to all that at the end. Sure. And so I haven't actually physically downloaded the form yet, but I have started to just type in for my own knowledge, like, oh, this doctor is this. This doctor is that. And then the form goes on to say things like, what's their phone number? Where's the address? When's the last time you saw that doctor? mind blown. Right. And then if you take someone my age, forget about a teenager, let's just like offshoot to me. I have all of them. I'm post-cancer, right? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of doctors. I can't remember who all my doctors are. And this is just one of what? A hundred forms in the sky.
0: There's 26 different forms, but some of them, like the insurance form is 12 pages. Right.
1: There's that many different kinds of things to catch. Right. Right. And insurance has been a real bugaboo for us. But I want to go back to the teenager because mine is 17. Mm -hmm. And we're coming up to that age where at 18, she's legally an adult. Talk to us a little bit about what are those forms like? What are the things we have to think about if we say have a teenager? Maybe we don't just have an ailing parent, but we have a teenager. What do we need to be thinking about? Let's get really beyond the estate plan, right? Right. Well,
0: you know, as far as estate plan documents, some of the things that you'll review if you have a meeting with an estate planning attorney is they'll talk to you about your advanced directives, right. you know, things like a living will, things like who's your medical power of attorney, your healthcare proxy. Because once they're 18, just because you're their mom, you can't get access to all the things you formerly had access to. Right. And with kids being away at college and things happening, and it happened to us, that we got the call. My son was in the emergency room and well, we had the form. Thank goodness we did because my husband went down with the form and said, you know, I have permission to be included in this conversation. And my son confirmed that and right. they were able to, to plan his treatment, but not having that information and being told we can't talk to you because we don't have permission. Right. That's terrifying. Absolutely. And it's not something you want to wait till they're 18. You want to have this discussion now and you want to plan for it. You know, who will it be? What will happen when they're in school? They need to have these forms to share them with their healthcare providers. Right. So that, you know, in the glove compartment of the car saying, this is my, this is my healthcare proxy because emergency people will look often in the glove compartment for things that identify who the car belongs to. And if right. that's in there with those documents, now they have something to
1: go by. So two thoughts on this, Judy. The first one is I read the book. And the very next thing I did was I emailed my lawyer and said, hey, I've got a kid turning 18. <laughs> we need to get together. And then it, s- like a snowball Spiral. going downhill. I can't think of that word. <laughs> snowball? Yeah, it snowballed into, oh, when's the last time you all updated your will? Mm-hmm. Are you still happy with your healthcare proxies? So not just our daughter, but everything else. Because if we're going to go see the lawyer, that makes sense, right? right. So I'm guessing, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. We should probably be seeing our lawyers about every five years. Well, I think that that's
0: a really wise decision because things do change. People fall into favor, fall out of favor. People die, people move. I mean, do you really want your healthcare proxy to be someone who's three thousand miles away? is part of that process that I talk about in the book, the calm approach, the last step is maintenance. And what you're talking about is that last step where you pick these things up once a year or once every six months and just review, are they still accurate? Mm. Has someone, you know, has my personal representative still in favor with me? Is it still the person I want to have handle my estate when I'm gone? Mm. Or is there someone better? Or, you know, if I have guardians for my children, do I want to revisit that? Are they aging? Are they not in good enough health? Were they to need to take care of my children? So those steps at the end, that maintenance part is so, so important. And I think you're right on with it.
1: So that's great, Judy, because you brought us into the process. So your process is called Calm, and you just talked about M maintenance. So let's jump back to C and start at the beginning. And that's my fault for not bringing it up sooner. That's okay. The
0: Calm process is what I decided was the way that I had approached it when I went to do it. So I turned it into my process. And the first step is C: collect. So where are all the documents and you know, if you think about all of the places that you keep important papers in your home or in your office or in your husband's office or in your assistant's office, where are they? So start collecting. You don't need to do anything with it at this point. Just collect them. Bring them all together in one place. Now, in the course that I'll be teaching and in the resources for the members, there's an index of how to store the papers in a logical way so that people could search for them and find mm-hmm. them and know where they are. But there's different ways to do that. So first, we collect all the information. Then we're going to go through that box of paper or pile of papers or boxes of papers. And we're going to analyze what's in there. So when you look at those forms, it's asking for account numbers or policy numbers or agent name and number, those details about those people. So you may have some of that. Maybe you don't. So document what you do have and note what you need. Move on and just keep going through that pile because every bit of information that you document is a step in the right direction for the people, your your power of attorney, your personal representative, your family member in knowing what to do and who to contact. Mm. So as you find where the gaps are, then you can decide, well, what's the next step? What do I need to do to collect the rest of this information?
1: So A is for analyze. Analyze.
0: Got it. The third step is locate. So where are you going to put them? Are you a binder person? Are you a file cabinet person? Are you a grab-and-go file, fireproof, waterproof, emergency tote that you can take with you on a moment's notice? What's your feeling about how you need to store them? Because mm. these are the kind of documents that need to be stored together. Because if you did need to leave in a real hurry, You're not going to go to the boxes in the attic or the basement or the front hall closet or the garage or your office or ask your assistant. You won't have time. So this information gathered all together in whichever form makes the most sense for you so that you can take it with you will help you in a medical emergency. It will help you to recreate your life should something happen like a fire or a flood Mm -hmm. or a tornado or a hurricane. And I think that most people listening will have identified with one of those. Something had happened where you had to evacuate or you had to lock down or something.
1: Right.
0: And then M again is the maintenance phase. So every one of these forms that we create, we want to go through them just to be sure the doctor didn't die. You didn't change financial advisors. You don't have different insurance. I mean, every year for us in December, it's open season. So we can change our medical providers. But are we gonna keep the same doctor? Are we gonna keep the same dentist? Are we gonna keep the same eye doctor? Are we gonna, is our lawyer different? So making sure just to make those updates. And the the toughest part is doing all of this the first time. Mm. So once you go through all these steps and you've collected all this information, the main step that you'll need to do going forward is just what you just mentioned was the maintenance step.
1: Realistically, Judy, how many hours, days, weeks do you think getting started on this takes? That's a good
0: question. I mean, it depends how complicated your situation is, how many family members that you have, how much you already have your documentation gathered. Mm-hmm. So I would say that if if I were going to start this process today, I would start with the bills that I owe so that if something happened to me, someone would be able to pay my bills. Oh. They would know who I owe money to and how to pay it. Or if it's already scheduled to be paid. like If you're paying online and they're already automatically taken from your account, well, what account? How do I know? Right. How could I stop that if I didn't need this service anymore? So mm. gathering those details, gathering your medical professionals in one place so that if a medical emergency happens, they can access your other specialty providers so they know You know, when was the last time she had this test or that test or what she do for or what she being treated with, or those pieces of information that's easy to transfer between doctors now. Right.
1: Especially medication interactions, something to think about. Right. And another one that's really
0: important that people who have pets, we often forget about our pets, but if you have pets at home and you're in an emergency room in a coma. Who's going to take care of your dog, your cat, your farm animals? So you need to carry a card in your wallet. This is a a bonus tip for the day. Carry a card in your wallet that says, I have two dogs, three cats, and a gerbil. And this person, name and address, phone number, has agreed to take care of them.
1: Call them. Wow. Because I just think, oh, I know exactly who's going to take care of my pets and who would handle them, but they wouldn't necessarily know. Right. If you can't tell them
0: that's unknown information and that's not something they'll necessarily be, you know, all about finding out, but if you keep it with your, with your license or with your medical insurance card in your wallet, there's a good chance that that's going to get found. Some people even keep them in the glove box of their car.
1: Right. I wonder if Judy, and I mean, this is not a question you may or may not be able to answer just off the top of your head. Um, but you know how you have like an ICE in your phone that says in case of emergency, I've started putting passport information and some other things in there so that I have it readily. It's all two factor authenticated, password protected, and all that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to be like horrified that it's in there. But you know, when we were traveling, it's become so much easier to put the global entry and everything else into your phone. I wonder if there's something out there and it's something I'm going to check into before this episode posts. If there's a way you can put that kind of pet information somewhere into an app in your phone. So if you're using a password manager like LastPass or
0: 1Password or EasyNet, most all of them have something called secure documents. And rather than filling out some of the forms in the book, you may be able to go right in there and list all of you know, this information right inside your password manager. Now, people are all you know, worried about, well, I don't want to put all my secure information there. But the way that password managers work they have zero knowledge architecture. So your master password never leaves your device and goes to them. So they don't have that. And your your information is encrypted going up to them and coming down from them. So you're not going to be putting your information out there like the people I know who keep a Word doc on their computer or an Excel spreadsheet with every piece of information. But you can also store things like your payment cards. So if you have a bunch of credit cards and you need to keep payment information, and you need to know what those numbers are when you're shopping online or you're out somewhere, that information is in your password manager. Nice. That, to me, is a more secure solution to keeping that data where you can access it. You, they have apps that you can put on your phone. And you know the new phone that I just got has biometric identification. So you have to put your fingerprint on the app to get it to open. And they have other two-factor methods, or you can get a hardware device like a key that you can plug into your device to authenticate and get your access to your, your app. So a number
1: of different ways to do it. So Judy, I can't do the biometric thing. I can do the face recognition, but I can't do hands because I don't have fingerprints. I know. There's a lot of people who don't have fingerprints anymore. I thought it was pretty cool when I found that out. But I found it out at Global Entry and he's like, we have to get fingerprints for you or we can't keep a global entry. And we're like, oh boy. And he asked me, he said, have you worked with chemicals or whatnot? And that's what triggered me to realize. I said, no, but I've had chemo. So they've all been sort of erased. But over time, you find that most people have less
0: identifiable fingerprints. And that happened to my husband too. When he went to work for the government, he had to provide a set of fingerprints and they're like, You don't have fingerprints anymore. Now they have another way that they can do it. I don't know what it is, but.
1: That's top secret, Judy. They'd have to kill you. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'm sure that's what he would say. (laughs) Secret agent man, Larry. It's a process. It is a process, but it's good. And I think it's important to recognize as you're gathering this information, don't just leave leave it lying around the house, you know, secure a place for it.
0: Well, you know, since I wrote the book, I mean, I've really become a fan of uploading the documents to the secure documents folder in the password manager because Hi. because of how safe it is. Or if you have, you know, OneDrive has a, a vault and you can put mm-hmm. information in there and, you know, different online storage like Dropbox and Box and look at their security standards and if they meet what what you and your financial advisors and your attorney agree is safe. Then I would say put them there. But the caveat is if you need things on paper, where are you going to put them? Do you have a home safe? Do you have a locking file cabinet? Where should they be? Because think about in a situation like a natural disaster where there's a flood or there's no internet or there's you know massive wildfires. And again, you have no electricity, no internet. If you need this information to start making a claim, where are you going to get it? If it's all kept online. Will the cell towers be okay? Will you be able to look on your phone? So having, you know, virtually the paper information can
1: be a saving grace in that scenario. And the other thing- For the people who think that cell towers don't go down, try being in Manhattan on 9-11. Right. No one could make a phone call. We were literally going and getting in line, many, many people. To use a phone at this hotel to be able to call people and say, "Please let them know I'm safe," and you know the phones were just overloaded. So one of the things that happened was if you were with a group, you would have one plain person, and that plain person would call the next person, who would call the next person, and it became exactly like remember those old phone chains, right? Right. So it's, well, and in the book, towers think, go down. They do. They do. And in the
0: book, we talk about having. Local emergency contacts and out of area emergency contacts. Local contacts are great if something just happens to you, and so they can call your next door neighbor or your spouse. But if it's affecting everyone, if it's that tornado or that fire or that disaster or that terrorist activity, You need to have someone out of the area that you can all reach out to who can be that person to disseminate the information Mm -hmm. to the others. This person is checked in. This person is safe. This person is here. This is what you need to do for this person.
1: Right. Right. Like my folks don't live in the same state as I do. So they make a perfect contact until, you know, such time as they're no longer with us, which please God, not anytime soon, but you know, I'm 56. I gotta be realistic. Right. So as you're saying that, I'm thinking like, oh, I have a cousin in Colorado. Right. Having
0: them and having someone else. So you have one and a backup.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I always like to have
1: plan B. I love the plan B. I love the plan B. One of the other forms that I really got a kick out of was vehicles owned. And I'll just tell that quickly. Folks were having to put some information in for something very legal oriented. I can't remember exactly what. And they had to remember what vehicles they'd owned when in really big detail. So that is a really worthwhile document to put together. You know, I always sort of wrap these up with a productivity tip. And I happen to know, because we talked ahead of time, that yours is uh, really juicy and meaty. And so I want to give you plenty of time to explain it. So the the thing I like to share with people,
0: and especially since I started doing this project, this Beyond the Estate Plan Guide, is people get overwhelmed by the sheer number of Little itty bitty tasks that really add up. And one of the first ones is going through all of your contacts. Mm. I mean, do you really want your personal representative or your power of attorney having to go through 10,000 names or 2,000 names to find people that you're doing business with or that you have as contacts? So the rule of 26 says anything that has an alphabetical sequence to it, break it down in 26 days. You do one letter a day. So today, if you take your contact list out and you go through all of the letter A, do I still know this person? Is this person still alive? Is this person still my doctor? Is this person still someone I need to contact? You know, was this something I needed for a short time in my life and don't need anymore? And clean up those contacts. One letter at a time by the end of September, you will have a clean contact list. Now, once you've got that done, export that list. And store it with your secure documents because if you lose your phone or you can't get into your contacts and you have it there, you have a place to start over.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. And I have to tell you, I did something very similar. Over the summer, we moved our email list for business from MailChimp over to ConvertKit. And when we did it, I said, I know I've got a bunch of people who aren't really interested in the newsletter anymore. I was going to say dead weight. That sounds terrible, but just people who are no longer really interested. Right. And I said- Not actively participating. Right. And so I went through exactly like you said, A, okay, we're going to do A today. Who are the people in here? And and you know, I found like five or six people who had passed away. Right. I don't think their family wants to be getting my emails. Right.
0: Well, and it's, it's, a, sad, it's a sad, sad thing. It's just like with your social media. It's like you see someone's birthday come up and you know they've passed away and you see people posting- Happy birthday, happy
1: anniversary, happy right. whatever, and it's like, oh, it just breaks my heart to see that. And we can. And it's interesting because Facebook does have an option where you can make it a legacy account, memorialized. Yep, yep, memorialized. And each one of the, your
0: social media accounts has a way to either say that you know you're giving this person permission to either deactivate or memorialize this account, whatever they're, whatever they allow. Right. And if you make these plans now instead of waiting until someone's passed away. It's not that you can't close a Facebook account if someone passes away, but it's not a process you want to put your personal representative. Had to do it. Not easy. You don't want to be that person. But if they've given you permission, now you're in business. And if you have a password manager and you've designated them as the person who has your emergency access, you're in a much better stead for helping people to resolve all of those issues and those accounts and what happens to what. And those are deep conversations, but I guarantee you that going through the guide and filling out the forms will tell you what conversations do you need to have and who do you need to have them with? Right. I've gotten calls and emails from people saying, I need to talk to my brother. I need to
1: talk to my father. I need to talk to my uncle. They need to know about this. Yep. I hear you loud and clear, Judy. So now, you know, I'm the first one signing up for your course, because there's no way I'm going to do this by myself, because I need a little handholding. So let's start with how can people find you, whether they want to buy into the course, whether they want to get the book, whether they want to come into the free Facebook group, you we'll have a whole variety of ways of people getting into this information and taking that first step. So the,
0: the easiest way is just to go to the website beyondtheestateplan.com. Everything that they'll need to know, the links to buying the book on Amazon, to being able to join our member community. Once people join the member community, they have access to download the forms that are in the book so that when you need a new copy of something, you can download it right from there. There are fillable versions of those forms as well. So if you want to do them digitally and you have a secure place to store them, you can fill them out and you can upload them to wherever your secure portal is. And again, it's really easy from that point on to just go in and update your forms as you need to. So we have that. We also have a a Facebook group where people can join right from the website and anything new that I find out about anything that we need to document or updates to things or interesting facts or people that I've spoken to who have a new perspective, I'll be posting
1: about in the Facebook group. Nice. And that's beyond the estate plan. That's the name of the group. Love it. Love it. So we're going to get people prepared in national preparedness this month. So grateful for you for coming on and being a part of this September planning month, which is planning is also a way to be prepared. So um, I'm very grateful, TGD. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher,